Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. A couple of summers ago, I was uh, mowing our yard. I had just finished mowing our yard, and I was standing in our driveway with a water hose cleaning off my mower, and uh, I happened to look up to the east or to, to the west on uh, Utah Road, which is just to the west of us, and, uh, and I saw a car uh, going down the road pretty fast, in fact, too, too fast, faster than it should have been, which, look, we lived there long enough to know that that happens quite frequently. But anyway, uh, shortly after that, I mean almost immediately, uh, over to my right, I saw a pickup heading west on Stafford Terrace. And those of you that know where we live, Stafford, we live at the corner where Stafford Terrace intersects with Utah, the gravel road. And uh, so I kind of take off, and keep in mind, this took place over about 15 or 20, 10 or 15 seconds. It it took place so quick. But uh, I immediately realized this is not going to end well. And uh, so I I didn't know what to do. The car and the pickup were both going way too fast to, to navigate that intersection successfully. I, I dropped my hose and I tried to wave to get the pickup driver's attention because he was clueless. Uh, and anyway, he had already passed the driveway, so I'm sure he didn't see me. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, this, this is not going to end well. Now that I've got your attention, I'll finish that story in just a few minutes. <laughs> but first, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever encountered a situation in your life where you... Uh, were blindsided, not literally, not, not an actual wreck or accident, but a situation that maybe uh, wrecked a part or a season of your life, maybe wrecked your job, wrecked your semester grade, wrecked your, sadly, maybe wrecked your marriage, wrecked your family. And after it happened, as you're surveying the damage and, and the fallout from that wreck, you made this statement or something similar to it. Why didn't I see that coming? I should have seen this coming, right? Maybe that'd be a better way to put it. I should have seen this coming. Anyone ever made that statement? It's okay. You're among, you're among, we, we don't, we, at, at Family Church, we leave the judging to Jesus. So if you made that statement, that's okay. We're not, we're not going to judge you. I think all of us at time have been in a situation like that where as we look at it, we say, man, I should have seen that coming. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to predict not just the future, but your future. Anyone want to sign up for that? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to predict your future? Right? The interesting thing is, if you've ever made that statement, right? I should have seen that coming, or why didn't I see that coming? If you ever made that statement, you're actually closer to predicting your own future than you realize. Here's why. By making that statement, it shows that you're at least aware that there was some type of cause and effect that brought you to the place that led you to say, I should have seen that coming, or why didn't I see that? coming. All of us had, have had times or seasons in our life where we found ourselves in a not very good situation, but then as we begin to reflect on our recent past, as we begin to connect the dots, as it were, between where we were and where we currently find ourselves, it becomes painfully obvious that, uh, yeah, I, prob- I probably should have seen that, that coming. The really interesting thing here is how <laughs> we're usually able to see that quicker in others than we are in ourselves, right? 
Right? It, we, we see that in other people a lot quicker than we see it. And in fact, sometimes we don't see it until it's too late when it's, when it's us. But we've all seen that in someone else, right? You can see what's going on. And you, you know, you've tried to call them out. You've tried to have that awkward conversation with them, but they didn't listen. They didn't listen. And when the wreck happens, they're like, I can't believe that happened. And you're looking at them like, seriously? I tried to tell you. Everyone tried to tell you, and you wouldn't listen. First week of January, you step up on the scales one morning. Because by golly, you're going to lose some weight. right? So you step up on the scales, and you're like, what? And call it to your wife, honey, are these scales right? He's like, those are the same scales we've had for 15 years. It's not the scales, right? They've always read the same. You know, you're in denial. You're in denial. I, I can't believe I weigh that much. Seriously? You've just spent six weeks partying between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right? You haven't exercised since last June. And you step out and you, you, get, you don't get it. You don't understand why. You're surprised that you gained 15, 20 pounds. Or how about this? I can't believe that she broke up with me. And everyone's like, she's been trying to break up with you for six months. I can't believe he left me. Really? Honey, I saw him leaving the moment he said hi to you. All right. So yeah, in a sense, we've all almost predicted our future or have predicted someone else's future. But the question that we need to wrestle with is this right here. Why is it that we can see it in others, but we can't see it in ourselves? Well, the short answer is, and you're not going to want to hear this, but it, it, it is true. We can't see it because we choose not to see it. We choose not to see it. We choose to look the other way. But, come on now, here's, here's the truth. When you reach the intersection after the wreck happens, come on, you, you, you saw it coming. You reflect on it, right? You kind of knew. You, me, we all have the ability in more cases and in more instances and in more arenas of our life than we want to admit, we can, in fact, predict our own future to some degree. Now, as far as why we're prone to do that, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But for today, I need to give you some bad news and then a little bit of good news because this, this actually might help explain why you're where you're at today in your life. So first, the bad news. The bad news is, most of your personal problems can't be fixed. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get an amen on that. Yeah, shout me down there. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Folks, I'm here to tell you, most of your problems can't be fixed. Uh, let's pray and go eat, right? It's true, though. And, and here's why. We weren't manufactured. We weren't built. We were uniquely created in the image of God. See, you don't fix things created by and in the image of God. You fix a car, you fix a leaky faucet, you fix a washer or dryer, you get your dog fixed. You don't fix our problems. I don't need to tell you this, but you're not a car, you're not a computer, right? Your computer has a memory. You have memories, right? You, me, we've all been created more complex than something that can simply be unplugged and then plugged back in. Wouldn't it be nice if getting our lives back on track was as simple as rebooting? Not just unplug, 10 seconds, back in, we're good, right? Wouldn't that be nice, right? It's not as simple as that because that's not how we're made. So that's the bad news. That's the bad news. You can't fix a problem the way that you fix a car or a computer. We're much more complex than that. 
The good news, let me give you the good news. The good news is most of our personal problems can be avoided. And the purpose of this series is to show us how we can avoid some of the consequences that come when we head down a wrong pathway too long and come to those blind intersections where we end up having these collisions or wrecks. And at the center of this series is a single principle. It's called the principle of the path. The principle of the path. But before we talk about the principle of the path, we need to talk about that word principle for a minute. Because if you don't understand the meaning of the word principle, then you won't really fully embrace this this very important truth about the principle of the path. So what's the principle? What is a principle? Well, it might be best to first define what a principle is not. A principle is not a rule that you follow, okay? We don't follow principles. Principles follow us. Another way to say this would be to say that A principle is not something that we apply, but a principle is something that applies itself to us, to you. Even, listen, even when you're not aware of it, because a principle is not a law that you can break. But even though it's not a law that you can break, if you ignore certain principles, they can break you. Because principles have their own built-in rewards and punishment and consequences built into them. For example, the principle of, and and most of us learn this as a law rather than a principle, but Newton's principle or law of gravity. See, you can either leverage the principle of gravity to your benefit, or you can ignore it to your demise, because the principle of gravity applies itself to us whether we realize it or not. Another principle that most of us learned in middle school was called Archimedes' principle. And some of you are like, Archa who? When I come to church to hear a history lesson, see, that's my point. You don't even have to know anything about a principle for it to impact you. How many of you own a boat? Anyone own a, own a boat? How many boat owners out there? Okay. How many have ever been on a cruise? Anyone ever been, been on a cruise, right? If so, then you have leveraged Archimedes' principle to your benefit. Archimedes was a Greek physicist who was the first one to explain the principle of buoyancy. Why pebbles sink, but ocean liners float. The point being, principles apply themselves to us whether we choose to apply them or not, whether we even recognize that they're there or not. And see, this holds true for the principle of the path as well. And remember, we're talking about a principle, not a solution. There's a huge difference there. When you're lost, you don't pull over and ask for a solution. You pull over and ask for directions. Because when you lost, you need to know how to get to where you want to be. See, that's why there's no fix, no solution for being lost. We get to where we need to be the same way we got to where we shouldn't be. This is true in your marriage. This is true in your family. This is true in your finances. It's true in your education, your career, your parenting. You get to where you want to be the same way you got to where you don't want to be by continuing to follow a path that took you there. The truth is, there's no fix because these are problems that can't be fixed. We don't need to be fixed We need to start living and moving in a different direction. Now, this might surprise you, but Jesus actually talked about this about 2,000 years ago. Jesus actually referenced this principle of the path in a parable. He He told this parable at the end of the most famous sermon ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount. So at the end of that sermon, here's Jesus. He's winding down this amazing sermon, and he ties a bow on this sermon with this statement, Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. See that? 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and actually does them will experience immediate relief from their struggles and difficulties. Is that what it says? No. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will have discovered the fix for all their problems. Is that what he said? No. Because nowhere does Jesus ever promise to fix a problem for us. You know why? Because Jesus understands how the world works. And really, honestly, you understand how the world works too because, because you're smart people. You're smart people. You know how I know that you're smart people? Because you come to family church. That's how I know that you're smart people, all right? Jesus never promised a quick fix for anything, but he does invite people to live in a different direction. And it's the same invitation that he extended to his original followers. It's two words, follow me, follow me. He points the way forward. He points the way out. And he says, follow me. Follow me down this path. And if you'll actually do the things that I'm telling you to do, that I'm teaching you, it'll make you wise. It'll make you wise. Not necessarily a smart man, but he may be smart. Not necessarily a talented man, but he may be talented. A wise man. And what is a wise man? A wise man or a wise woman is someone who understands that life is connected. They, there's someone that understands that what I've done in the past is connected to the present, and what I'm doing in the present will impact my future. See, wise people understand that, right? We're not like a car that if you get in an accident, take it to a body shop, drop it off, and a week later come back, and it's been pounded out, dent pounded out, sanded, painted, and everything, and it looks just like brand new, but we're not like cars. See, our lives are like dots that connect. And everything from the past will impact what's happening now, which in turn, everything that happens now will impact what happens to us in the future. Do you see that? It's a very simple policy, but you really need to understand this. In other words, the wise person understands that you really can predict to some extent your own future because your current direction is a great indicator of your ultimate destination. Jesus said that's how wise people think. So if we'll not just listen to what Jesus says, but actually begin doing what he says, then we'll be like the wise man who, watch this next statement, who built his house. See, built indicates a process. Built indicates a time. It takes time. And, you know, no one understands that better right now than Scott and Lisa McDaniel. Ask them if building is a process. Sue and I stopped by there last week and, and took them something for, for lunch. And Lisa gave us the nickel tour of their, their house, which, by the way, is, is still, they still have a lot to finish up inside there. But uh, as, as they're giving us the tour, I, I, I turned to Scott and I, and I asked him, I said, so when, when did you break ground? When did you start? And I think, I think he said like maybe right after Christmas last year, but it's been, it's been almost a year-long process, right? And, you know, living right down the road from him, um, I drive by that, that place uh, multiple times a day, probably 10 or 12 times a day on some days. So next to them, I probably have monitored the progress of that construction project more than anyone else, right? In fact, I thought about texting Scott, hey, the carpenter's out there loafing. You might get on him for that, right? So I drove by that house when it was butt ugly. Bunch of two-by-fours and two-by-sixes with mounds of dirt laying around it. And that was it. But over time, over time, you could see they start putting the siding up. They, they, they start, he brought in some dirt, had, had, had the ground landscaped around it. You know, I'm sure they probably could have, they could have hired a contractor to finish that in maybe six months, right? But what would they have ended up with? 
See? See, the house they envisioned when they started the project is just now starting to come to fruition about a year later. The point being, building is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And process includes things like habit, repetition, discipline, you know, things that we don't really like, you know, like delayed gratification. We don't like that. We want instant gratification. In the context of this parable, a house is like a life. It's your relationships, it's your money, it's your pastime, it's everything that has to do with anything that's important to you, that's part of your life. Jesus says the wise man's like someone who listens to what he says and actually begins to put them into practice. He says someone who does that is like someone who's building this house and he does it the right way, the long way. And then he makes a statement that makes no sense to us today. In verse 24, he said, who built his house on the rock, to which we think, we don't know what that means because, you know, we build houses totally different today than they did in that culture. And we don't really build on rock. But in the first century context, this represented something very specific. And everybody, listen, everybody in Jesus' audience immediately understood what Jesus was talking about when he said this. This represented the hard way. This represented the expensive way. This represented the time-consuming way. This represented the way where there would be no immediate return on the labor. See, this is the way that Scott and Lisa took. This is the way that that you you go by the building construction site day after day after day, week after week, month after month, and it looks like nothing's going on. And then one day you drive by and bam, it's there. Then Jesus tells us about a second character in the story in verse 26 but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand now what is a foolish man a foolish person is somebody who lives as if life is disconnected that 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 what happened in the past has no bearing on what's happening today and what's happening today has no bearing on what's going to happen in the future Right? That is a foolish. A foolish person thinks this. Don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. But even if something does happen, I'll just unplug myself and a few seconds later reboot and it'll all be good. I'll be fixed. But see, deep down, life has shown us that that's not really true. That's not really the case. But that doesn't stop people from trying to fix their lives, does it? If this marriage doesn't work, that's okay. I'll just move out and I'll find someone else. If this doesn't work out financially, that's okay. I'll just declare bankruptcy and we'll start fresh. How many of you have ever heard someone say, or perhaps you've even said this or something like it, you know, I, need, I just need to clear my head out. I need to go find myself. I need a change of scenery. Have you ever heard anyone say, say something like that? Yeah. That statement is usually accompanied by some type of lifestyle change in the more radical cases in an attempt to find themselves, people will move to a different part of the country, maybe change careers or something like that. In somewhat less radical cases, people kind of start evaluating, reevaluating their friendships, their careers. Sometimes they'll go out and buy a boat or a car or a Harley or something like that, go on a road trip to find themselves. But the problem with finding yourself, listen to me, dear ones. The problem with finding yourself is, and, and please don't take offense at this, but... Um, Usually, you're the problem. Yeah, you're the problem. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Pastor's just on fire, isn't he? So, listen up because Pastor's going to drop some knowledge on you here. So, listen up, open up your notes app, write this down, okay? You can go ahead and tweet this too. Here it is. Ready? Wherever you go, 
There you are. There you go. Come on, shout me down. Wherever you go, there you are. You can go ahead and tweet that if you want. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Sue and I were at home on a Friday evening. We had, we had run some errands and got back kind of late, so we kind of had a late dinner. And so uh, we went and sat down in the recliner, turned on the TV just in time to uh, see the Eagles uh, were in concert. Uh, this wasn't live. It was from a few years ago, but I think it was down in Australia. And the song that they were singing was a song called Lion Eyes, which I am familiar with that because that was kind of the era that I grew up in, which is really kind of more of a ballad than a song. But, but as we watched and listened, they came to that place in the song where Glenn Fry sings this phrase. And if you've heard the song, you're, you're going you're gonna to know what I'm talking about here. He says, ain't it funny how your new life didn't change things? You're still the same old girl you used to be knowing that I was going to be preaching this message this morning, I turned to Sue as soon as I heard it, and I said, I'm going to use that in my sermon. I'm going to use that when we start this series. I'm just going to start over. I'm going to, I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to move out west. I'm going to get remarried. I'm going to move out. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to join a health club. I'm just going to reboot and start over. Ain't it funny how your new life didn't change things? You're still the same old self. You're still the same old girl. You're still the same old guy you used to be. No matter how hard you try to arrange things and manage the consequences, you're still the same old person. The fool thinks, no, 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 no. I I can just reboot and I'll be fine. And your heavenly father who created you says, you're not a car. You're not a leaky faucet. You're not a computer. You've been made in my image. You are complex and you are precious and there's no fix no solution, but I'm inviting you to change directions. Who built his house on sand, which of course, again, we're like, that doesn't mean anything to us, but the audience hearing this in real time would have let out a collective sigh at this point because they knew that that wasn't going to end well for the person building that. They knew that building on sand was the easy way, the quick way, and sure enough, it didn't end well in verse 27. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The implication is there's no fix. Hey, can you fix this? No, no, we we just have to do, you know, what what, what you should have done to begin with. We have to rebuild. This is going to take time. No, 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 I I don't want to take time. I, I want you to fix it. Sorry, when a house falls down, you don't fix it, you rebuild it. You have to rebuild it. It's going to take time. Time that should have been invested on the front end of that construction project. So don't don't miss the cause and effect here, dear ones. The house on sand didn't fall because those folks were unlucky any more than the house on the rock remained because those folks were lucky. Isn't that sometimes how we view things? Oh, man, they always get all the good breaks, right? I I never, nothing good ever happened. God God, God must not love me, right? Jesus says, come on, you, you, know, you know how the world works. You know how this works. My father made it work this way so that there would be some predictability, so that you would have a little bit of control, so that you would know what to do. It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock, and in the parable, the rock is doing what Jesus required and asked his followers to do. It's cause and effect, cause and effect. It's sowing and reaping. It's the principle of the path. It's the principle of the path. So Jesus finishes the sermon with this riveting parable 
and look at the response of the people in verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Literal translation, finally, someone who makes sense. Finally, somebody that's explaining how the world works, how life is connected, and how God intersects and is involved in our daily lives. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and <clears throat> it grieves me to think about all the people that, that I've come into contact with over the years, people whom the Lord has brought down my path for one reason or another, and sometimes these people are heading in a direction that's not good. And I can see it. And their spouse can see it. Their, their kids can see it. Sometimes their best friends can see it. And it breaks my heart and it breaks their heart as well. And some of you, listen, listen. Some of you are here this morning and you're right there. You're right there. You're at that intersection. And someone close to you has already tried to point it out to you, but you either wouldn't listen or decided not to listen. And the thing is, <laughs> life, this isn't like, you know, driving. You know, if you're driving, you get lost. You show up 15, 20 minutes late, and you just kind of laugh about it, right? Life isn't always like a road trip, is it? In life, it's not a matter of missing 15 to 20 minutes. In life, you miss 15 or 20 years. Some of you, because of the path you were on, missed your entire 20s. Some of you missed your entire 30s. Some of you missed your first marriage. Some of you missed your kids growing up. In life, when you show up late, it's a totally different deal because there's no way to regain it. But your Father in heaven cares so much about you that he sent his Son into the world so that you could know what he's like. And he gave us this simple invitation to follow me. Just follow me. If you'll just follow me. It's like, it's like you're building your life on something that will last. Because the truth is, and you know this, but when it comes to time lost, I'm sorry, we can't wish our way. We can't talk our way, even though we try. We can't even pray our way back to that moment where we took the wrong turn. There's only one way to get back there. And that's going in a different direction. So here's the principle of the path. The principle of the path is simply this. Direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. The best way to predict your future is to pay attention to where you're headed. Morally, financially, spiritually, academically, relationally. You have the potential to predict your future because of the principle of the path. A principle that will apply itself to you whether you choose to apply it or not. All right, back to that story. <clears throat> I'm seeing this car and this pickup come to this intersection, and I knew it wasn't going to end well. I'm just standing there feeling kind of helpless, and sure enough, there was a collision. And, you know, it's that if, you know, if you've ever seen an accident, heard an accident, you know, when, when metal hits metal, it's just that, it's that, just that, that thud that's just kind of sickening thud. So I kind of run down there real quick, and um, fortunately, neither, neither driver was hurt too badly. In fact, I think the, the airbag hurt the one person in the car more than anything else. But it was all good. They, know, they didn't have to call an ambulance or anything. But uh, here's the thing. I didn't know either one of those drivers that were in that wreck. Never saw them before or since. 
but you know, it still hurt me. It, it grieved my heart that they had to go through that. And in fact, my heart was grieving before it even happened. My heart was grieving when I saw the car and the pickup coming to that intersection. Just like, listen, dear one, just like your heavenly father's heart grieves for you as he watches you blow through the warning signs heading to an intersection that's not going to end well for you. That's why he'll send those warnings. That's why he does that, because he loves you so much. But he's given us the freedom to choose, and that's why some of you here this morning, you're at a place that you don't want to be, a place that you arrived at because of the path you were on, and you blew past the warning signs that God sent. And then after the wreck, after the collision, you asked yourself that question, why didn't I see that coming? Why didn't I see that coming? But he will. He'll give you hints and warnings. He'll divinely orchestrate and arrange the events of your life in, in a way where messengers, usually people who love you best and love you most and know you best, will, will come down your path, will cross your path, and they'll speak into your life and warn you. And eventually, enough things are going to start going bad for you, and, and you're going to start wondering, man, maybe I am on the wrong path. And before long, lo and behold, he's got you here listening to me. Imagine that. And the word of the Lord to you this morning is, if you want to predict your future, then pay attention to the principle of the path. If that's you, please know that God still loves you and he can help you get back on the right path. And the right path is summed up in a single phrase, that invitation. It's the same invitation Jesus gave 2,000 years ago when he invited people to not change, not stop, not even believe, but follow me. Follow me. Because if we'll follow him, if we'll not just listen to, but actually do what he tells us to do, then that will help us build a solid spiritual foundation that can withstand the strongest of storms. See, that's part of our guarantee here at Family Church. Y'all didn't know we had a guarantee, did you? Did y'all know that? I, well, the only church I know of that has a guarantee. And here's our guarantee. We ask for one year of your life, just one year. If you'll start attending, not just attend, but if you'll come to family church and you'll attend the next class and you'll get plugged in serving in some capacity and get plugged into a growth group. You do that for one year and here's the guarantee. After one year, if your life isn't better, then we'll give you your old life back. No questions asked. That's a bargain at any price, right? Here's the thing. Here's what I know about you. You're going to end up somewhere in life, right? There, there, there's a destination somewhere for all of us. Relationally, in your marriage, with your kids, with your job, financially, there's a destination. Everybody ends up somewhere in life. I want you to end up, I want you to end up somewhere on purpose. I want you to live in the right direction. And if you'll follow Jesus, not only will you end up somewhere on purpose, you'll end up somewhere with a purpose. The principle of the path. Direction determines destination and we'll pick up there next week let me pray for you bow your heads would you heavenly father i do pray for those here that uh, maybe have wandered down a path that that led them to a place that they don't want to be any of those who are at a place where they have said or are about to say i can't believe i didn't see that coming lord first of all forgive them bring them healing and wholeness 
then give them the grace and faith to change directions and start heading down a path that will lead them to your plans and purposes as they begin to follow you. And for those who have never accepted your invitation to follow you, I pray that they might be willing to do that now. If that's you, if you would just pray this simple prayer after me, just say, Jesus, I receive your invitation to follow you. I, wa I want to begin walking down the path that you have for me. Forgive me for refusing to heed the warning signs that you've given me before. And through my disobedience created blind spots along the path that brought pain and heartache to my life and to the lives of those closest to me. But thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to give me grace and strength to follow you. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior now, and I invite the Holy Spirit to fill me and empower me to walk down the path that God has for me. In Jesus' name, amen.